the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 262 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Number five, false teachers are greedy. They're money hungry. Peter tells us, verse 14, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Having just told us that false teachers are pleasure seekers, Peter now tells us that they are greedy. They're money hungry individuals, which is a a natural result of being a, a, a pleasure seeker because money allows people to pursue material pleasures. So it all fits together. Wow, the first thing I thought of when I heard those words was the old Beatles song, Money, That's What I Want. Remember that one? I suppose I'm giving away my age just a bit when I confess that I was a little bit of a Beatles fan when I was a teenager. I'm over that now, but uh, on the other hand, I never did really like that song. It has lyrics like, the best things in life are free, but you can keep them for the birds and bees. Or, money don't get everything it's true, what it don't get, I can't use. And on it went. Pretty sad, eh? Well, what's really sad is how well those words seem to express the prevailing sentiment of our times. Saddest of all is how well they describe many of the most popular so-called TV preachers. On that cheerful note, let me welcome you to Verse by Verse. I'm glad you are here today for the start of a three-part message, the eighth in a series of ten messages from 2 Peter chapter 2 about the dangers of false teachers. Verse by Verse is an outreach of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and our study leader is Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. I'll tell you a little more about Lakeside and Verse by Verse toward the end of our broadcast. As we've progressed through this challenging chapter, we've seen how Peter warned us about the craftiness of false teachers, the danger of falling into their lies, and the end that awaits the false teacher. We've also been considering how to recognize a false teacher. One hallmark is greed. Here's Pastor Steve now with today's lesson. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, you don't need to turn there. Let me tell you, the Apostle Paul said, that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. He said, some will fall away from the faith. They'll depart from the faith. That is to say that there are some people who demonstrate an attraction to Christianity, and they even claim to believe in Jesus Christ. Those folks, some of them, will depart from the faith that they once professed to believe. This doesn't mean that they at one time had a genuine faith relationship with Jesus, but rejected him and now have lost their salvation. Uh, That can't possibly be because the Bible has some very, very clear statements on salvation is forever. It just means that at one time, though they professed to believe in Christ, it became obvious in time that they never really had a relationship with him. Now, how did it become obvious? Well, they fell away from the faith. They departed from it. 
They departed from the gospel. They no longer claim to believe the foundational truths about salvation. They no longer claim to be following Jesus as the only way to heaven. These are the kinds of people that the Apostle John spoke of in 1 John 2. He said, children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. There's many who are opposed to, to Jesus Christ. From this, we know that it is the last hour. And then he said this, speaking of these people, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, if they really would have been believers, he says, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it might be shown that they are not all of us. In other words, they some people departed from the faith, and it proves that they never really were genuine believers in the first place, because if they were, they would have never departed. They would have continued walking with us in fellowship. John is describing what is commonly known as an apostate. What is apostasy? Apostasy means to fall away, to, to depart from the faith. These people who depart from the faith, though, don't always leave the church. They don't always leave the church. Sometimes they remain in the church and teach people heresies in order to lure them away from the gospel. And it's this kind of situation and these types of of people, apostates, who had left the faith and yet remained in the church that Peter writes about in 2 Peter chapter 2. So let's turn there. Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. We've been studying this epistle for a while. It's short, but it is packed with uh, important, significant, relevant, applicable truths for us today. 2 Peter chapter 2 is a chapter in which Peter focuses on telling us uh, the truth about apostates. In fact, that's really what the chapter is about. It is the truth about those who uh, claim to be something, but they aren't really that. These are false teachers. Apostates that he's writing about are also the false teachers. They don't just apostatize. They actually have stayed in the church, and they are teaching people false doctrine. Now, we know that they're apostates because of several comments that Peter will make in this chapter. For example, verse 15 of chapter 2, he says, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. That is to say, they they have abandoned the right way. They have knowledge of the right way. They once claimed to be walking the path of the right way, but they have forsaken the right way. Then if you jump down to verse 20, he says, for if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first, that is to say, these people had at one time uh, knowledge of Christ. They, they really knew the truth and they had some type of attraction and association with Christianity that helped them in their defilements. They, they, they escaped some type of defilement, but now they've abandoned that. And Peter says it, it, it's better for them if they had never even known the truth because judgment is worse for those who have knowledge of the truth and then turn away from it. Yet these men who departed from the faith, were not content to just depart from the faith. They wanted to take others with them. They stayed in the church and tried to convince others by their heretical teachings that they should join them in departing from the truth. And though apostate, they now claim some type of higher knowledge of the truth, and they even appeared to have a certain type of religious piety. Yet underneath their pretense of religious piety, were evil natures and sinful natures and sinful behavior. And and really, that's what Peter does in this chapter. He exposes them for what they really are. And he, uh, beginning at verse 10, begins to tell us about the, the truth 
concerning apostate false teachers, what really they are like underneath their facade. He starts off in verse 10 by telling us, number one, that they are immoral. Verse 10, especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires, they are immoral. Generally, false teachers are immoral because they have no power within them to say no to sensual desires. Secondly, they despise authority. Verse 10 goes on to say they despise authority, and that authority is Jesus Christ because that word that's translated authority is a word that's related to Lord or lordship. They despise the lordship of Christ over them, and so if they if they cast aside his lordship, then they must establish another lordship over themselves, and ultimately it becomes them. They are the final authorities in their own lives, and that is precisely what false teachers do. In fact, uh, just this week I read about a uh, a self-appointed uh, the self-appointed authority attitude in a in a pastor who uh, established he wrote a constitution for his church in which he has absolute control over every committee in addition to that the constitution says he cannot be fired or even corrected even corrected see it's a it's this kind of distorted sense of of self-importance this attitude of being above correction that they have in fact um uh, Fred Price on a Praise the Lord program said this. He said, unless a critic has as many followers as I have, uh, I would not meet with him or her. Now think about that. No one can criticize me if they don't have as many followers as I do. That's ludicrous. It's absurd. That's putting themselves above criticism. So false teachers, Peter tells us, they are immoral. They despise authority that is the Lord's authority. Third, Peter says that they are extremely arrogant. Verse 10 tells us they are daring, they are self-willed, which means they are brazen. They are bold. And how bold? They do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. We interpreted this when we went over this to, to mean that they actually were saying blasphemous things against demons, which certainly would include Satan. Now, we're not told exactly what they were doing. We don't know that. But we do know that many charismatic televangelists and, and leaders certainly today commit this sin in the sense of ranting and raving against uh, Satan and, and about their authority over him. It would certainly fit this category of trivializing Satan and, and ranting and raving against them. Fourth, false teachers are pleasure seekers. Beginning or the middle, really, of verse 13, it says, They count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. These men were hedonistic pleasure seekers who actually carried on their drunken orgies in the daytime. And amazingly enough, they, it does appear that they did this in connection with their love feasts and the, uh, the Lord's Supper. I take it that's what he means. They're carousing with you. They feast with you and they have mealtimes with you. And from what we know of the early church, that would have been the potluck love or agape feast and the Lord's Supper. Peter says not only that, their drunkenness leads to adultery because he says they have eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin. Peter is telling us that these men actually looked upon, upon women as sex objects with the goal of seducing those who were so weak and unstable and maybe new believers in the faith who might be impressed with them and their religious credentials, phony as they might be. Now, that's where we left off, the middle of verse 14. So we want to pick things up again by looking at verses 14 
through 16, which reveal a fifth truth about false teachers. Number five, false teachers are greedy. They're money hungry. Peter tells us, verse 14, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Having just told us that false teachers are pleasure seekers, Peter now tells us that they are greedy. They're money-hungry individuals, which is a a natural result of being a a pleasure seeker because money allows people to pursue material pleasures. So it all fits together. But I want you to notice carefully how Peter conveys this thought. He doesn't just say they're, they're greedy. He says that they have a heart trained in greediness. Now, you may have a translation that's worded a little bit differently, but that's the thought. They have a heart that's trained in greediness. The original Greek word that Peter used for trained gives us our English word gymnasium, where one might exercise muscles. Only they're not exercising their muscles. They are exercising their hearts in greediness. They're working out. They have a heart that that is exercised in greediness. The Phillips translation of this phrase, I think, captures Peter's point. Their technique of getting what they want is through long practice, highly developed. As some men and women go to the gym to work out their muscles, they work out being greedy. In other words, they work out in practicing and sharpening their greedy skills. They have exercised their minds long and and hard to make money. They're not growing muscles. They're growing money by coming up with techniques and ways to do this. Now, you should understand that all false teachers are motivated by a desire to make money. That's it. And they have developed incredible skills at getting you to give them your money. That's why earlier in the chapter, notice verse 3, he says that in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. They are taking advantage of you. And by you, I, I, I mean the general public, those who would listen to them. Listen, these people are experts in getting you to give them your hard-earned money by, by, by several techniques. What are some of the techniques that they use? Well, they use dramatic and emotional appeals. They know how to dim the lights. They know how to bring the right music on in the, in the background. Uh, that's a technique. That's a technique. Heart-wrenching stories, graphic pictures, usually of children with tears running down their, their face. Now, I'm not saying every picture that they might use or, or someone might use of a child who's in need is, is not legitimate. Maybe that's an organization that's good. But be careful about that. Don't give because there's a picture of a child crying. But that's one of the techniques. They also use pressure. They are skilled in pressure. I remember some years ago, Oral Roberts coming out with this absurd statement that God told him that if he didn't raise, I don't know how much money it was, a million dollars or 10 million or something like that for a certain ministry project, God told him he was going to die. Listen, he should have been killed on the spot for saying something like that. That's horrible. That God tells you, you got to raise a million dollars for me or I'm going to kill you if you don't do it. It's not the God of the Bible. Or another pressure tactic. Listen, you don't want to be responsible for this ministry to close down, do you? Maybe you do. (laughs) Maybe it should close down. Listen, ministries, even good ministries are closed down as God raises up some and moves on to others. That's all right. Another tactic they use is one of spiritual intimidation and condemnation for being poor. Robert Tilton, which you you may not be familiar with him, he may not be on in this area, but he has been a well-known televangelist. He represented this type of thinking when he said this, and I quote, not only is worrying a sin, 
But being poor is a sin when God promises prosperity. Now, do you understand what he's, what he's doing? It's, it's hard enough to be poor. But Tilton would, would just add to the burden of being poor the, the burden of sin. It's your fault if you're poor. It's your fault if you're, if you're poor. It's your sin. It's a horrible thing. But that's the kind of pressure tactics they use. Now, as I told you, money, hungry, greediness is what's really behind the prosperity gospel. These men ask you to give them money so they can preach the gospel, only they never preach the gospel. They don't preach the gospel. They don't preach the Christ of salvation. They just preach about you being wealthy and healthy, or they have some kind of fundraiser on there. And you know why they they preach about you being healthy and wealthy? They want you alive to make a lot of money to give them your money. The dead people can't give them the money. That's why they want you healthy and wealthy. And many false teachers have become extremely wealthy. While financial disclosures of many televangelists are hard to come by, suggesting that they have something to hide, I want you to know, by their own admission, some reveal that they are making a great deal of money, a lot of money. For example, I read this week about one television evangelist who justified greediness by relating the story about a pastor who was challenged by some people in his church about his high salary. So understand, this is a televangelist who is who is writing or talking about a pastor who has probably some board members, I don't know who, but some in his church who have come to him and questioned and challenged uh, him on a, his very high salary. Now here, he said, the pastor told his challengers to, to go back and read your Bibles and see what the tithe is intended to do. Well, they spent, as the story goes, the next two weeks studying the subject of tithing. And when they came back to the pastor, this is what they said. They said, Pastor, the tithe belongs to you and to the ministers of this church. Offering should take care of everything else. Then this televangelist said that the pastor came to him with tears in his eyes and revealed that his salary, based on on the tithe belonging to him, was going to be over $1 million a year. Now think about that, a pastor getting a million dollars a year. You, you think this guy was a baseball player or something. I mean, any utility wanted that. A million dollars a year. No wonder this pastor had tears in his eyes. These are tears of joy, folks. He, he's not sad that he's just figured out he's going to get a million dollars a year. These are tears of happiness because he got what his heart, trained in greed, longed for all along money. Only now it looks spiritual. So Peter's words in in this verse help us to understand what really lies behind the message of men who preach a gospel or a message of prosperity. It is a heart of greed, trained in greed, a thirst for personal wealth. Understand that. That's what's behind it. And why do they thirst for wealth? It's because they are not true Christians. Know that they are not true Christians. They use some biblical terminology. They talk about Jesus. They look very happy in front of the screen. They have an appearance of being believers, but they are lost. They are unregenerate individuals, and and in weeks to come, we'll get into some of the theology. It is not the Christ of the Bible. Listen, one well-known man does not even believe in the Trinity. They are not regenerated people. They have never been transformed by conversion. They Therefore, they have the nature of an unsaved person, and that sinful nature is characterized by greed. That's the way we all are apart from Christ, and that's the way they are. And that's why Peter concludes, notice the end of verse 14, he calls them accursed children. That is to say, these men are under God's curse, as are all 
people who have failed to trust Christ as Savior. In other words, these false teachers are the recipients of God's wrath and his condemnation, and they will be judged for their rebellion towards him. That's what he's saying. They are unbelievers, regardless of the jumping around and all the hoopla. They are unbelievers. If they are believers, they preach the gospel. They don't preach the gospel. So Peter has informed us that false teachers are money-hungry individuals who are under God's curse. But how did they get to this point in their lives? Didn't happen overnight. Notice, verse 15 says, starts off by saying, forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. That is to say, these men know the truth about Jesus Christ. They know the right way. They've been exposed to the true gospel. And at one time, they even pretended to walk down the path of, of biblical truth. That's what they claimed. But Peter tells us they have left the right way. They have abandoned it. They have forsaken it, the biblical path. And in forsaking the right way, they have wandered away from the truth and they have gone astray. They have gone down another path. Now, understand what Peter is teaching us. False teachers have deliberately left God's way for their own way. They are not confused. They have not just been led astray because somebody else has imposed something upon them. They came to a point in their lives where they made a conscious decision to turn away from biblical truth in order to follow their heart's desire to do what they always wanted to do, though they were at one time stifled by biblical standards. But when you turn away from the Bible, you don't have to be stifled by those standards. You do and you pursue what your heart desires all along, and that's to make as much money as possible. And that's what's happened. And by the way, this is not simply uh, uh, tele-evangelists. This is all false teachers. I'm just using them because it's so obvious where they're coming from by preaching a prosperity gospel. But these folks, false teachers, want to make as much money as possible, but they use religion as a cloak for their covetousness. That's all. Now, in departing from God's way, Peter tells us they've gone another way. There is a name to that. There is a biblical name foregoing the way of greed. It is called the way of Balaam. Verses 15 and 16. Peter says, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received a rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. Peter illustrates the greediness of false teachers by reminding his readers of an interesting, a fascinating Old Testament character by the name of Balaam. His story is in Numbers chapters 22 through 25. So let's turn back there. Numbers would be just before the book of Deuteronomy, the beginning of the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 22 through 25. We're told in these chapters about a Moabite king by the name of Balak. So I've given you two characters now to remember, Balaam and Balak, two different men. Balak was the king of Moab, and this was a time where the children of Israel were, were marching through the wilderness. They had come to the land of Moab, and Balak sees them. He knows about them, and he is afraid that the Israelites are going to attack the Moabites and destroy his people. So this king, knowing that he could not defeat Israel militarily because he's heard about them, he has decided to defeat them another way. And we're, we're told about this in Numbers 22, verses 5 and 6. So he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, a people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land. They are living opposite me. He's talking about the children of Israel. Now, therefore, please come curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. 
Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. He wanted, and he's calling upon Balaam to curse the Israelites so that he would be able to defeat them. Pastor Steve will tell us more about Balaam and how well Balaam illustrates the greed of false teachers when we meet again for the next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road. If you'd like to know more, visit the website lakesidechapel.com or call 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is an outreach of Lakeside. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. We have an archive page there with previous broadcasts available for free if you want to catch up on anything you might have missed. Another thing you can find out about at our website is how you can help support this ministry. Unlike the false teachers Pastor Steve has been warning us about, we do not make demands of our listeners or our givers, nor do we make empty promises that God will make you rich if you give. But it does cost to keep these classes on the air, so we depend on the generosity of listeners like you and are grateful for your support. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. What would you do if a donkey suddenly asked you a question? I'm not quite sure what I'd do, but I don't think the donkey would get a very quick answer. This is Jerry Peterson inviting you to join us for the next Verse by Verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.